I'd like you to open your Bibles with me this morning to the New Testament book of Mark, and we're going to continue in a sermon series called It's About Time. You know what it is? It's, it's pretty common for people to say things like, oh, I just, I wish I had more time. And really what they're saying is, I wish I had more time to accomplish whatever this job is or whatever this project is that I'm working on right now. We can, if we're not careful, we can be very selfish with our time, can't we? There is, however, a biblical standard that we're going to study this morning for me time. I'm not, I'm not talking about that time when you're not on the clock. I'm not talking about that time when you're not watching the kids. I'm talking about that time that you have that is dedicated to yourself. How much time do you have for you? You might think it's really humble to say, you know what, I don't have any time for me because I give all of my time to my kids. That's not me time. That's family time. I'm talking about you and yourself for yourself. Some people will call this self-care it's, it's literally the question of, are you taking the proper time to care for yourself? Look back at the last week. Out of the time that you had, how much time did you spend sitting quietly alone? How much time did you spend in the waiting room of a doctor's office, not for the kids, but for you, for a checkup on your body? How much time did you spend decompressing last week? For those of you who have been with us for a while, you know that we are a note-taking church, and we're going to get to your first point in just a quick second. So if, if you're at home watching for the first time, if you're here, write this down. Point number one in your notes is this. This is really important. Me time does not belong to anybody else. It is yours, it is necessary, and it is biblical. Me time. I'll tell you, last week, I had a really hard day on Wednesday at my job. Not this job, my other job. It was actually one of my worst days at work. It was an, just an emotionally draining day. I had to do something at work that I hope I never have to do again because it hurts. At the end of my day, I had a conversation with one of my peers who understands exactly what I had to do, and she shared some amazing wisdom with me. She said this, she says, because you have had such a stressful day, it would be wise to take some time for self-care. She said, this is where you calm down, you bring focus and you just spend some quiet time. And, it, and it's not, she says, it's not to drown it away or pretend that it didn't happen, but it's to release the stress and the sadness, watch this, so it doesn't cause harm to you and you can still be present and available to your family. That's pretty important. It wasn't a suggestion to go out and do some yoga and reconnect with nature. That's not the idea. It was just to bring calm and getting back into focus and making sure that this ruined day doesn't turn into a ruined week. And that could happen. 
We have a tendency to dwell on things and, and, and let the emotional position of one moment sneak into the next moment. And then that sneaks into the entire day. And not only does it affect us, sometimes it'll affect those around us, right? It's that, that principle of stopping for a moment to take a deep breath, to get back into alignment in our lives, to find some joy to, to stop and get focused again on what God has in store for us. You know, we could be really foolish and tell ourselves that the enemy only goes after the big moments in our life. He doesn't. He'll go after these small moments also. Anything that he can do to attack even these small things that will draw our attention away from, from God and the responsibilities that he has given to us. You know what I did that day? That evening to find joy? I went in my backyard and spent some time with the chickens. If you follow me on Facebook... I'm sure you've had an opportunity to meet Noodles and Pox and Colonel and Darla and Millie and Todd and Greg and Bandit and Tyson and Zim and Rambo and Squirt and Bob Ross. And then there's one named You. I think originally it was Hey You, but we just shortened it to You. And um, You doesn't come to Hey You or You, but it's just one of the one of the chickens. But see, that's me time. That's, that's my place that I can go out back and I can sit with the, the hens and just hold out my hand and, and let the birds come and, and eat food just right out of my hand. That's my quiet time. That's my place that brings joy. It's a place that I can go and literally find peace and quiet. Just listening to the birds just listening to the wind, just listening to silence. You know, our culture can't stand silence. Donald Whitney wrote a book a while back. It's called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And I want to read you a, a paragraph out of this. This is so important. He writes, many of us need the re to realize that the addiction we have to noise. It's one thing to listen to the television, a tape player, or a radio while ironing and doing other chores, but it's another thing to habitually turn on one of these immediately upon entering a room just to have some sound. Even worse is feeling that it's necessary to have background noise during our Bible intake time or our prayer time. He goes on to say the advent of Affordable, portable sound systems, for instance, has been a mixed blessing. The negative side is that we don't have to go anywhere without human voices. As a result, we are less frequently alone with our own thoughts and God's voice. Because of this, and because we are the most urban, noise-polluted generation ever, we have an unprecedented need to learn the discipline of silence and solitude. Some of you here at church might know that if you get here early enough, that if the opportunity presents itself, that I'm going to scoot away to maybe a back room or maybe I'm going to go into the trailer for a few minutes. And yeah, it's time to, to, 
to study my notes and to go over the sermon. But it's also time for prayer, but it's time for silence, just to get away from the noise. I don't know what your day is like, but I bet, I bet that your day is something like mine. You have responsibilities, right? You have to get the kids off to school. You, you have to pick them up after school. You, you get in the car and you're listening to the radio or you're listening to a new podcast on, on Spotify. You're, there's something playing in the background and then the dishwasher starts leaking and the dog starts barking and the Amazon guy knocks on the door for the fourth time today, right? And it's not even 1030, right? We haven't even had lunch yet. There's so much going on in our lives. We're quickly going to get to the second point in your notes this morning. Write this down. Point number two, me time is an occasion for rest. I've heard people say this. You've probably heard this too. You know what? I'll sleep when I'm dead. Somebody said the other day, it was on, actually on Friday, and, and, and I heard this, sleep? What's sleep? Why is it that as a culture, we shame ourselves for resting? There's, there's this unwritten rule in our, in our world and in our culture that says, if you're not doing something productive, then you're wasting your time. And I really want to get that out of your head because rest is not a waste of time. As a matter of fact, it was built into our nature. It was built into time itself. Our creator rested. God worked six days, and what did he do? He took an entire day off. When was the last time that you took an entire day off for me time? Not family time. Not an entire day off to sit around watching old movies. No, an entire day off for me time. Okay, so this isn't biblical, but... I highly doubt that on the seventh day that God decided that he was going to kick it on the couch and just scan through Netflix and find what's on. I highly doubt that God asked his Alexa, hey, can you just play some nature sounds of some whales and, and I'm just going to kick it here while I'm cleaning out the garage? See, a day off for rest is not a day off for work. And I'm wondering, why would God ask Alexa to play whale sounds like he made the whales, right? I don't know. The Jews in Jesus' day, they were so strict on taking off the Sabbath. They were strict about not working on the Sabbath. And the whole idea of Sabbath, Saturday, or Sunday, that's for another message. And we'll talk about that someday. But it's the idea of having a full day of rest. It's built into our nature, and we're not taking it. We're not using it. That is me time, and it is okay. It is biblical. There's a story in the Bible when the Pharisees were 
They're getting mad at Jesus and his disciples because they were walking through a field and they were just picking some grain off to eat as they were wandering through. They weren't farming. You can't farm. That's work. They were just grabbing some grain. That's it. The disciples didn't own the field. The Pharisees weren't mad that they were taking somebody else's grain. That wasn't what they were mad about. They were mad because the culture and the rules say that you don't work on the Sabbath. And picking wheat was considered work. Many people in our day, you know somebody, or maybe, maybe you're somebody, maybe you fall in this category, you can say, you know what, I miss the good old days when life was closed on Sundays. Remember that? Remember when it used to be on Sundays, you couldn't do anything because everyone was closed. Not so much anymore. Growing up, my brother and I, our thing was baseball. We played Little League Baseball. And baseball practice was after school. It would be at a baseball field. And then we would have games on Saturdays. And every now and then you would get a coach who would say, you know what, we're going to hold a practice on Sunday. And that didn't go over very well. In my house, don't even think about organized sports on Sundays because Sundays are for three things. It's for family, God, and rest. Maybe not necessarily in that order, but that's, that's what this day is for. That day of rest, that me time, is important. We do the same thing with our work, though, and it affects us physically and it absolutely affects us spiritually talk about life getting heavy life gets heavy because we never put it down i want you to see what jesus says in matthew chapter 11 verse number 28 he says come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and i will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and I will find rest for your soul and you will find rest for your soul. My, my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give is light, lightweight. I know that we don't use the word yoke very much in our culture, so I'll just explain this really quick. It's a, it's a piece of machinery that would go around the neck of an ox, and, and connected to that would be the plow. And it's a, it's a big wooden piece of farm equipment. And sometimes you would have a double yoke, and you could put two ox in it, and they could pull a bigger plow. But he's saying, Jesus is saying, put down your yoke and pick up mine. Mine is light. But you know, in order for us to pick up the yoke of Christ, we have to put down ours. Sometimes we think we're just going to carry ours and we'll carry this light one that Jesus has. You might pride yourself on being the person in the family who's always there for everyone else and that's great and we need people in the family like that but what can end up happening and you tell me if this has ever happened in your family maybe it's maybe i'm the only one but what ends up happening is you get caught up in the middle of all the family drama 
and you're in the middle of all the friends drama, and you're trying to, to keep steady carrying your own burdens, but then also carrying burdens of others in the family, and you get bogged down trying to carry all of this around with us. And let's face it, it gets spiritually draining. Jesus says, my yoke is light. And he says, I want you to use this one. Use mine. But you have to take off yours and rest. Take your burdens off. I've built this into your life. Me time is okay. As humans, we are, we're finite. We have limits. We've got physical limits. Let's face it, you can only work so long before you're not effective at work anymore. You can only give so much to your family before you are not effective to give anymore. It's okay. We're not infinite. Only God is infinite. Only God is infinite, and he took a break on day seven. I'm only a few months away from turning 45 years old, but I'll tell you, the last three years, I have found a love, okay, I have found a love for naps. I don't know if anyone else here has, has found that enjoyment. Maybe it's just me, but I'll tell you, after church on Sundays, and this is going to happen this afternoon. It happens every Sunday afternoon. I'm going to go home and turn on the fan for some background noise. I'm going to turn the blinds, and I'm going to rest for a couple of hours. And you know what? It's absolutely biblical. It's okay. Jesus took naps. Jesus took naps. And sometimes he would sleep even when it was so inconvenient. Watch this. I'm in Matthew chapter 8, verse number 23. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with the disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. There's this big storm going on, the boat's shaking, and Jesus is down on the bottom of the boat sleeping in a pile of ropes. Probably not the most convenient time. Now, again, the Bible doesn't say this, but I can only imagine what Jesus did when he got up from his nap. He went up, up to the deck and he calmed the storm, says, storm, okay, die down a little bit. And I can see him just taking this big stretch and a big yawn and saying, okay, guys, you're good. I'm going back to bed. All right, this is, this is cool. Storm's done. I'm all right. I'm going to go lay down. In your life, you need rest. I know your job is hard. You come home, you just want to sit down. Anyone say that? You come home, you just say, I just want to sit down for a few minutes. I just want to just have some, just, I need a moment. I need some solitude. We need that rest, that proper me time. We need that Sabbath. We need that family day. We need that time where we're finding joy. 
Let me tell you something is that is not proper me time work. And you might find joy in work. You might really love your job. But let me ask you, what is being produced and who is it being produced for? If you're at work, typically you're producing something for your boss, something for your company. Me time is going to produce something for you. It's going to present and, and it's going to produce a rest for your soul. Who is the energies going to? Let me tell you something else that's not me time. Laziness doesn't fit into the category of me time. You could think, you know what, I'm just going to sit here on the couch and I'm going to just spend the entire day doing nothing. But laziness is not caring for yourself. That's actually wasting time. Me time is about specifically using time purpose towards your own care. That could be physical care. That could be spiritual care. Self-care, this biblical me time that we're talking about this morning, this recognizes the purpose and the mission of Jesus and it's this time for us to realign ourselves with that mission that God has given us. It's not uncommon to hear someone say, you know, I just didn't get any time for me time because I just keep getting inter interrupted. You know what that's like, right? Phone rings, kids are crying again. Boss calls. You had that moment planned out. And then we get to the end of the day and we say, well, I didn't, I didn't have any time for me time because every time I tried to get me time, I was interrupted. You know what Jesus did? He was interrupted a lot too. He actually interrupted his interruptions so that he could insert me time. Watch this. His ministry was so full of interruptions. We're going to look at one of these. I'm in Luke chapter 5. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby, and the Lord's healing power was strong with Jesus. Verse 18 says this. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man. Now hold on. Before I go to that, remember what Jesus is doing, okay? He's teaching right now. Some men came with a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof, and they took some tiles, and they lowered this sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Want to talk about an interruption? Jesus is teaching. He's giving a sermon. And all of a sudden, there's a hole in the roof. There's some guys lowering a guy down in front. That's interruption. Interruptions happen. But you know what? Planned interruptions can also happen. That used to be what that used to be what lunch hour was for. It was a planned interruption in your work day so that 
you could rest. Nowadays, most offices, people just go to the fridge, they get their lunch, and they go right back and sit at their desk. It's pretty common. And what happens is maybe you start working again, and you've bypassed that planned interruption that was built in for rest. Moms, dads, you know this. You're trying to tell the kids not to interrupt. This is what we do. When the kids are coming up and you put your hand out like this and you say, you're interrupting, just wait till I'm done. Right? That's, that's what we do to teach the kids. But I wonder, when was the last time that we told life, hey, you are interrupting, wait till I'm done resting. This is me time. This is my time. The Bible says that every moment that we are awake needs to be a moment giving glory to God. And I want you to know that we could give glory to God really with very little noise. You don't have to make a lot of noise. You don't have to be around a lot of noise. You can give glory to God in a quiet closet. You can walk out of your house and just go sit in the car quietly in the driveway if you need to, to give glory to God. You can absolutely give glory to God by yourself. It's not hard to find examples of Jesus finding himself in areas where he needed to make that me time. You read through the book of Mark and you're going to see almost a dozen times where Jesus slipped away quietly. I'm going to read you one of those. I'm in Mark chapter 1, verse number 30. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away, so he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. And when the fever left her, and, uh, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, if you can imagine, okay, he's at the house, he just, just healed somebody. Many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch so Jesus, now this is his job, teaching, ministry, healing, right? So he goes back to work. Because of the demons, let me go back. He healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. Because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. He just needed to get away. He needed to get away from the crowd. This is after a, a long day of work, healing people. You know that, imagine if you had the power to heal people and people knew about it. How long do you think the line would be for people to come to you and be healed? Chances are there would never be a stop to that line. The only way you get a break is you're going to have to sneak away, right? That's what Jesus has done. I'll tell you, there's other times in our lives when we need to be in stillness and we need time alone and time in quiet. Every teenage girl has come to mom and dad 
Maybe before she runs down the hallway with her, her, her eyes just, just so watery and tears going down her face and she's running with a broken heart and she just says, I, I just, I just want to be alone. And she's going to go into a room and she's going to grab a stuffed elephant and she's just going to put her face in that elephant and, and cry because something hurts. She lost something. There is absolutely nothing that anyone can do right now to heal that broken heart. She just needs time. She needs me time. Watch this. This is so important. This is point number three in your notes this morning. Me time is an occasion to grieve. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you lost a pet. Maybe you lost a 20-year relationship and you just need some time alone. Let me tell you, it's okay to have some time alone and it's absolutely biblical. Jesus had a very close relative. Matter of fact, a, a man he was very close with was born at really close, within a couple of months, probably grew up together. Jesus loved John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the man that actually baptized Jesus. This is somebody who Jesus knew the prophecies about John the Baptist. He knew him as a messenger from God. He might have even considered him a really, really good friend. And I'm going to read you this from Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to set the scene first. John the Baptist has been put in jail. He had been arrested. The king of the area at the time, this is King Herod, and Herod holds a birthday party for himself. Big party at this castle, and, and, and there's, you know, you've got jugglers and loud music and bounce houses and people walking around serving hors d'oeuvres and tuxedos, right? And, and Herod's stepdaughter comes out as entertainment, and she does some sort of a dance, and the king just loves it. Now, remember, I said stepdaughter, because Herod is unlawfully married, and John the Baptist knew about that. And John the Baptist had actually shamed Herod and his new wife in public. And so, stepmom, stepdaughter, not too happy with John the Baptist. Let's pick up the story. I'm in Matthew chapter 14, verse number 6. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything that she wanted. And her mother, urging the girl, said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. And then the king regretted what he said, but because of a vow that he had made in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it, and then they went and they told Jesus what happened. Watch this, verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. You say, Pastor, what does this have to do with me time? It shows that when Jesus was so deeply and emotionally troubled, when he heard that somebody so close to him had died, he just wanted to be alone. 
No one on earth could have healed his pain right then. He needed time, he needed distance, and he just wanted to be alone. Have you ever felt like that? You ever said, I just, I just need some me time. And I want you to see what immediately happened. I'm going to read and reread chapter 14, verse number 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. This is the rest of verse 13. But the crowd heard where he was headed and followed him on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped on the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. How many of you have said or ever noticed, you know what, I really need some me time. I need some me time alone, but then life comes again and it won't let you have that time. That's exactly what happened. Jesus was trying to get some alone time so that he could grieve properly. In this case, though, he had to go back to work. He didn't get that time. Talk about work following you. Here's the death of a loved one. Somebody he cares about. He's running for alone time. And the people at his job, his customers, the people who is healing, they won't leave him alone. They know where he's going, and they follow him. Not only did Jesus use me time to grieve, he also used this me time to grow a very, very important relationship. And I'm going to leave you with this, the final point in your notes this morning. Point number four in your notes. Me time is an occasion to reconnect with God. I've heard people say before, I just can't hear God's voice. And it would be simple for me to ask, are you listening loud enough? Are you listening long enough? And how are you listening? Here's a question. How much noise do we need to get out of our head in order to hear the voice of God in our hearts? There's a lot of noise that we could use just to be silent. Me time is so important to your physical health as well as your spiritual health so we can reconnect with God. God already knows how you're doing. But you know what? He'd like to hear you tell him that. Sometimes we need to get away from this noise so that we could tell him and have that conversation. God's word, what God is saying to us, is in his scripture. It's in that book. We just need to spend time listening How do we listen to what he's saying? That means we have to spend time with him. You can literally listen now with our technology. You can listen to God's word being read. If you're looking for some noise in your life, maybe it's time to listen to God's word. How many of you have listened to the Bible on a Bible app? Have you listened to one of those? I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, too. I do that. Let's face it. We could all probably use some more time reconnecting with God. If you come here and you listen to me on on Sundays, 
this is learning time, but this on Sunday mornings is not your one-on-one time with God. As your pastor, I am not part of your one-on-one time with God because let me tell you, if I was there, I would be noise. I would be a distraction. Your one-on-one time with God is one-on-one time with God. We need that time. That is me time. I can help keep you accountable to that relationship. But that's between you and God. And the two of you need that time together. Me time requires us to take everything else away. And I mean everything. The TV, the kids, the work, and spend one-on-one quiet time with God. You and your Bible and nothing else. Honestly, this is where I would highly recommend a printed Bible, a physical printed Bible. And if today, if you don't have a physical printed Bible, we will give you one. Come to the, find Angie. Where's Angie? Here's Angie right here. Find myself or Angie. We will send you home with one. And you have your own Bible. And this is why. It's because electronic Bibles, and we love them, have built-in interruptions when they're on our phone, right? That text message comes in, it's going to interrupt our reading. That email comes in, it's going to interrupt our reading. Maybe the signal doesn't work very good right here, it's going to interrupt our reading. When it's you and a book, it's going to eliminate those interruptions. Maybe not all of them, but it's going to eliminate a lot of them. It's about time to start spending some me time. Me time is okay. Me time is biblical. It's not laziness. It's not wastefulness. This morning, my prayer is that you will create a purposeful interruption in your life for me time this week. That you will get away from all of the noise so that you could properly grieve. I pray that you will take these burdens, the heavy burdens of your life, off of your shoulders and put them down and take the light yoke of Christ and walk in his light and just talk with him one-on-one. Spend some time alone in quiet with God.